calling out the myths, misinformation, and BS in the wellness industry. This is the Big Mouth Pharmacist Podcast. Here's your host, holistic pharmacist, supplement expert, Big Mouth, Dr. Neil Smoller. Broadcasting from the most famous small town in America, it's me, it's Dana. Hi. We are talking so much information today. We're just going to talk. It's going to be fabulous. Lots of information. I wanted to start out by saying a couple things. First, I never, ever, ever check the reviews for our podcast, ever. And I even, I don't even ask for, I don't ask a lot of you. I don't ask for much, but I got this great review. Uh, Shoshana on June 12th. Oh, Shoshana. Shoshana. This podcast has changed the way I think about everything having to do with the health industry and my health. Thank you for offering so much useful information without just trying to sell me a product. It's been life altering. That was super. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm going to like print it and put it up here and just be like, keep doing the thing that you're doing because I think that's super awesome. So I would love it if everybody took an opportunity to just write me a small review. Um, Five stars, that would be excellent. One star, not so much. Try not to do that. <laughs> if you do want to write something nice, you can write something nice. But I think I, on a regular basis, I'll just do that like cliche thing that everybody's doing now and say, let's let's do a review. Please, please, please review me. So, Well, if you want a more technical reason for it, sure. the more reviews and the more positive reviews we get, the more people find the show. It's, it's actually that, not actual downloads, that, you know, bumps us up on... Um, like podcast charts. So if you love the show and you want more people to find it, then please review us kindly. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, actually, on the same note about reviews and like BS lists, basically, yeah. <laughs> um, books. So I'm writing the first book for my little repertoire. I've got three planned. That's a great idea. You have so much free time. Exactly. I have so much time on my hands. I figured why not just say, you know, let's, let's get out of this with a book at least. So, uh, I'm doing that and I'm working with people about like how to publish it and how to not write it. Like I write it, which is 4,000 pages to explain one topic, but just like make it more concise and more marketable. I have no like weird notion that I'm going to actually sell this book. This is going to be more for a, a calling card for me, but I was looking at a Reddit thread that just popped up yesterday about book lists and like the difference between the 25th place on most of those national book lists and the 10th place is only like 3,500 books oh, wow. a week or something like that. So like- That's surmountable. Oh my God. Yeah. Like 3,500. We've got like 25,000 people on our mailing list. So I'm like, maybe if I can get like half of them to to buy a book, I might be a bestseller on Amazon for a day. That would be pretty cool. So I like, be. it doesn't seem like a, a big, t and they said that most books that are published- only sell like 400 copies, like on average. Mm. And it's only like the rare, it's like super rare to get something that sells like tens of thousands of copies. And so like when like Mary Trump's book, for example, comes out <laughs> and it's like sells like 2 million or a million copies in like the first day or week yeah. or something like that. That's a monumental task because that's a, a ton of money. But anyway, um, I also wanted to say something about last week's podcast that was just kind of like rattling around in my brain. Um, crazy talk. Right. So when I am a kid of the 90s. So I say a lot of or I used to say lots <laughs> of things that uh, I shouldn't say, uh, especially as I'm talking kind of casually, which I want to do for this podcast versus a more like stiff, uh, you know, the, the professional persona. Um, so I say the word crazy quite a bit when I describe things. Um, I might say something's wacky or crazy. 
uh, insane. And I don't want people, and I'm sure most people that are listening don't think that I like have something against mental illness. It's quite the opposite. I'm a big advocate for mental big health. Big sufferer. And, and big wellness. sufferer you are. <laughs> and I'm a big sufferer of mental illness <laughs> as well. And so I just want to make sure that that's cleared. Like if I say something's crazy or wacky, uh, you know, that's that. I mean, you know, I've been like, I can't even make fun of Kanye West anymore because like he's truly having a mental break. So yeah. I actually, in my uh, rant that I wrote today, I wanted to say it's this guy's got clarity like Kanye does, but then I can't even make that joke because it's like true mental illness and the people around him aren't helping, you know? And so, so yeah, so mental illness obviously is not something that I'm like, you know, beating up on or or do, I don't want to take one of those positions against it. So when I use those words, it's because uh, it's just part of my vernacular in that weird way. And I'm trying to come up with a substitute term. So if you have suggestions, please let me know. Because mm. I do think that using the word wacky, insane, crazy, I think there is the kind of... I think part of the problem is, is that people that have mental illness aren't wacky, insane, or crazy. <laughs> right. That's the problem. It's like wacky, insane, and crazy are great adjectives for weird behavior in people. And like... Isolated weird behavior. Isolated weird behavior. The the mental illness side of things, I think that should be treated more seriously and and people should not connect those words. Mm -hmm. That's just my personal opinion. Whatever. Just a quick question because, um, you know, I'm the star of my own uh, like biography here. Yeah. Did I miss a cut last week? Because we... What's that? You asked me to cut out when you said crazy and you used a different adjective. Did I? Yeah. Yeah. I try not. I don't know. But I just want to make sure that I if I say it, it doesn't come out. I don't want people to think that because I know some people in the past when I had talked about even my own mental health, um, like crazy thoughts or something like that. You know, with Dr. Dresdale, we talked about the crazy person in your right. head. And, um, and, but there's that, that again, it's like the, in my mind, there, there are two different things. There's the true mental illness and then there's the adjective as we use it. So, but anyway, so Fair. just wanted to let that, you know, be said. So nobody questions my motives, I guess, or my beliefs. So, um, COVID. COVID. Yes. So, yep. So this podcast after that, let's do, let's do the rundown. We got COVID talk. We got weight loss talk. I'm going to talk about my pee for just a second. And then, um, we're going to talk about, <laughs> we're going to talk about Dr. Mercola. Um, Dr. Mercola. Does he have a theme song? Cause if he does, uh, no, I need but one. there was, I think, I think I'm referencing De La Soul a lot today. If anyone okay. didn't know why I said Shoshana, that's another okay. reference. But I think there's, I can't remember if it's from uh, De La where there's just a little cut where somebody goes, Tommy Matola. And mm -hmm. Dr. Mercola just fits in there. I got it. So you're just being silly, I guess. So the, Indeed. it's totally fine. So Essentially, uh, Dr. Mercola has some uh, harshly written letters uh, written about him and his misinformation spreading during coronavirus. And we're going to kind of go through a lot of his claims and the things that he talks about and then talk about the big offense, the most heinous offense, the most disgusting thing I think I've heard through this whole process. And uh, and then we're going to uh, kind of talk about it a little bit. So I am so excited to find out what you think that is because I now have access to his website and there is some wacky. I'm gonna use it wacky stuff on there. Yeah, yeah, we're, we'll get there. So all right, so coronavirus first and foremost. So I would say that this has been a good news week. Uh, besides yes. the fact that cases are surging and our numbers are out of control, I think that there is a lot of really great news. So you had shared a link that I also saw about the reusable silicon mask made by MIT, which is pretty much groundbreaking stuff. Yes, that's very exciting. So if you haven't heard, they've designed a mask that can be used like hundreds of times. And 
it also has the ability to add reusable filters to it that can be cleaned or replaced or whatever that provide N95 or better protection. Yes. Which is great. And so then they can make these to fit and mold to your face a lot better. And um, all of the earmarks and, and pains that we're getting from masks uh, would go away. So I think that's a really great thing because the other thing is like a lot of these surgical masks get thrown away. So it could potentially even change the game for doctors and dentists and people that have to wear PPP, PPE all the time. Um, so that's great. Uh, the vaccines, they're coming. They are so much faster than I think any of us expected. People are talking. I, I, to be honest, I'm going to be quite honest with you. I, from the beginning, was like, oh, they'll come up with a vaccine pretty soon for this. Like, I think I knew, I knew that we would have one this year. But I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to be like some cocky jerk or like uh, whatever. But I feel like, as we can tell, like the technology wheels are going. And because it's such a high ticket item, I figured like there's like 170 groups competing for the the the, the vaccine spot. That's a good so, point. So, uh, but it, anyway, it's it's... In entering the consciousness of America, people are talking about the vaccines and the idea of safety is coming up a ton. And mm. so I was going to wait and have an, a vaccine person on again and talk about that. We've talked about vaccine safety from like both the clinical and the legal standpoint before, um, but I figured we would talk on this. So a lot of people are like, I don't want to be the first, you know, like chimpanzee to take a vaccine here. That's kind of uh, where I'm at. <laughs> and I get it, but here's the thing. So this is not technically a new vaccine. We had a vaccine that was in development for a long time for SARS, and most of the vaccine groups, I think, are basing the current vaccine on that work from the past. Okay. So we have actually much more than just the six months worth of research. Uh, and really, what I want people to start kind of thinking about and, and kind of rattling around your brain a little bit here. So what about a vaccine could make it unsafe? That's a great question, right? So my counter question to that or my follow-up question is, is what is safety? So what are you talking about when you say, I'm worried about the vaccine being safe? Dana, as any, you're any man. Mm. So go ahead. I'd be afraid of too many variables as far as allergic reactions go. Okay. Allergic reactions. Yes. Okay. What else? Um, interactions with other drugs I might be on. Interactions. Okay. What else? Um, uh maybe contamination because it's being manufactured so quickly. Okay, good. Uh, what else you got? Um, long-term effects. Long-term effects. There it is. Okay. Yes. So it actually sounds like almost those first three mm. could be binned into like a short-term effect. Yes. And then you have the long-term effects. Okay. So short-term, that's actually been decisively con concluded. Like that's wrapped up. Right. Right. So phase two research of anything is testing the thing in healthy humans. So right. phase one is animals and like preclinical research. And then phase two is the safety in humans. So that's been done. And again, 170 groups. And, you know, there's a, a pretty decent sized population. I think it's hundreds, if not thousands of people try the vaccine to make sure that it works. And so then if you multiply it by all the people that have gone through phase two, and like almost all of them have, we know now conclusively that the vaccine and its components are not harming people in the short term. So there's no allergic stuff, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's normally not a concern uh, anyway for most of the vaccines because we know. Actually, uh, I should say that um, I've immunized probably like 2,000 people a year over the past like 10 years, if mm -hmm. not more, right? Um, at, at my peak, I was doing like 5,000 people a year vaccines. Wow. Yeah, a lot of people. So 
I've never, ever had a problem with a vaccine. I've always had people say, oh, my arm hurts. But I only had one allergic reaction to the shingle shot, and that was actually recently. So one of our patients here had broke out into the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so that was my first ever. And even from like the grand scale of things, that is such a rare kind of sliver. Most people don't have allergic reactions to those things. So, so that's normally not a concern. So um, so in the short-term data, we know pretty conclusively, at least in like general population, I'm, I haven't looked at the papers to see if like, have they tested in pregnant women? Have they tested in people with whatever, right? Mm -hmm. uh, do we know if pregnant women can take this? I haven't, I, I don't know that. I don't know if there's an answer there. Um, so then, then the second question is like this long-term harm thing. And so my question back again is, so what could the long-term harm be? And we would want to know then like from what? So again, what's in the vaccine and is there something that can cause long-term harm? And is it given in a dose that can do that, right? Because we know the difference. Like we're going to talk about fluoride again today. So <laughs> we know that fluoride applied to your teeth is fine, but if you take a ton of it and you take it for a long period of time, that's detrimental, right? right? So it's a dose-related, time-related thing. So um, it, you know, what in the vaccine is there that can cause harm. So if we go through the list, it's like a killed version of the vaccine. We have all the different excipients, which we don't know specifically what they'll be right now. But in general, like as we've talked about before, the it's it's like water and some salts and some pH stabilizers. And even the um, preservatives that they use are uh, on a very short list now because everybody's hyped up about preservatives. Mm. And those things have been proven to be safe and effective over a long period of time, right? You're not going to Again, you're you're getting exposed to this virus once, you know, right. this vaccine once. So that's it. So the things that are in there aren't really capable of that long-term thing. So the only thing that it could possibly be is the virus itself. So is there a possibility for uh, the virus to cause some sort of long-term health detriment? I, I don't think so. I don't think it's possible. Most people that talk about vaccine safety are pretty confident that there's nothing really in there. But people are weird, man. There's a lot of us. You know, I always talk about the power of statistics and to help people understand like why we have to do studies that are big and proven and all of this stuff is like, here's a great example. Uh, here's the analogy, I guess. How many people are there in the world? Like 7 billion or some, something like that, yeah. right? So 7 billion people. How many people last night dreamt about their fathers? And that's probably a substantial number, right? Mm -hmm. um, how many people that dreamt about their fathers dreamt about their fathers dying? Mm. It's probably a big number, right, mm -hmm. uh, out of that. And then how many people who dreamt about their fathers dying, their fathers died the next day? And that's probably a non-insignificant number, right? Mm -hmm. So that's there's probably people there, right? There's probably people that dreamt about their fathers the night before dying, and then their father died that ne very next day. And so did they will their dead to death? Of course not. It's just because there's so many people and because there's so many different possibilities for the way that life can work out, stuff happens. And and that's that's what we're saying when we talk about like we we would never really know what a vaccine could do unless we gave it to ev literally everybody <laughs> and then like recorded all of that data. So it's hard uh, to kind of understand. I would say your sh your concern really shouldn't be safety. This is my piece. It should be efficacy. That's the big question, right? Because we are going pretty quick with this, we don't know how long the protection is going to last and to what degree the protection will be at all. As we know, most vaccines are not 100% effective. Mm -hmm. So is it going to be 40% effective like some flu strains or is it going to be 90% effective like the new shingles vaccine? Mm. Where is it? We have no idea. Is it going to just prevent hospitalization and you're still going to get sick? Is it going to prevent those long-term organ damage things that come up? So from that, 
I would say don't be afraid of the safety of it because that will be pretty conclusively told. I would be afraid of the efficacy and I wouldn't even be afraid of it because I still think it's better. What I would do is just get comfortable with the idea that you're going to have to wear masks for a long freaking time, right? Even if you get the stupid vaccine, you're going to have to wear this. I have kind of come up with a short list of like, these are the three ways that I would take my mask off, even if I got the vaccine. So like, I get the vaccine, I'm still wearing it until like two of these three things happen. We have a rapid, accurate, and accessible testing. Mm -hmm. And I mean like immediate. Like if you get a strep test, you can go to the doctor's office. They all have it and like you can get it done and it's it's over. Even better is if it became something that you could walk into a pharmacy and and do like a like a breathalyzer test Mm -hmm. and then know if you have it. Like that would be a game changer. Then you don't really have to be panicked as much because then we would know exactly who had it every day. The second thing is that if there's a treatment that when it's given early on, It'll blunt the impact of the virus, especially those comorbidities that seem to be having. So if Mm -hmm. we have that treatment and I've got the vaccine, I'm taking my mask off. And the third thing is if we have some sort of conclusive proof that the dominant strain is no longer this horrible beast that it is and it's become weaker. Right. Uh, Theoretically, yes. If the strain mutates, then yeah, game over. Things change. That's what happened with a couple of these things recently, right? But that isn't happening here. So we're not at that point. So essentially what I'm trying to say here is around the vaccine, don't be afraid of the short-term stuff, worry about the efficacy. And from that standpoint, you really can't do much to change the efficacy. So it's really about getting comfortable with the fact you might have to get multiple immunizations and you're going to be wearing a mask for a long time. Yeah. And it is hot right now with that mask on. (laughs) Good God. It is sweating in the shower weather here in upstate New York right now. (laughs) Yeah. That's what the staff just said. I went outside to get your lunch and it's so freaking hot out. And so I feel bad for them. I really do. Um, But I would say the last thing I want to say about the COVID thing is like, you know, the analogy that this is a group project in school is is Mm -hmm. like our American response is like a group project in school. I I, think you can make a way more morbid analogy. Go. (laughs) No, I think I feel like that is the most accurate analogy. (laughs) Like I was just thinking about it, like, oh, this is a group project. If you haven't done a group project, basically one person, nobody wants to do any of the work. One person like stands up and like has to do it all. So they're scrambling and they're stressed out and they're dealing with the whole thing. Well, everybody else is screwing off and then the whole group gets the good grade. And, <laughs> and especially now that there are these great treatments, like this has been a really good uh, news week. Like some interferons are being uh, shown to be beneficial to completely blunt a response in COVID. And there's like all this great information coming out. So it's like, oh, these jerks have been screwing around in the South while we're suffering and like our people are dying and like we're learning all these great lessons. And now their death rates potentially could go down and they'll all be fine. Yeah, I know. That is the cruelest irony. Right. And like the teacher in this situation likes the slackers, like they encourages the slackers to slack off. And then the good students still have to get the work done because they have to worry about their transcripts and stuff. And it's just, it, it is like, that's my, that's my, that is a really good analogy. It's the best. And I was just like, I was like, Aaron, this is the best analogy. (laughs) This this is what we talk about in the car. So yeah, whatever. Um, so that's Mrs. Big mouth. If anyone was wondering, (laughs) so the weight loss thing, um, I'm around like a pound a week, Okay, you know, so that's, that's pretty much where I'm falling. The, uh, the, (laughs) the, the week has been filled with temptation. So they made a chocolate chip zucchini bread for like a little uh, small thing that we had with my in-laws. That sounds great. And they undercooked it. So it was like gooey and smashy and chocolatey. And I had like seven pieces. So then I I didn't eat anything else, you know? So, and then yesterday um, we had some pizza and it was from my favorite, like absolute favorite pizza place, like Pizza Hut 
that's made correctly, like pizza in the nineties, I guess. Right. Yeah. Except then it's homemade and done even better than that, you know? So it was amazing. Uh, but I, I had like two little slices and I wanted to eat the whole thing. You know, the nice thing is that the two little slices was enough to fill me up. So basically what I was saying, and why I wanted to talk about my pee a little bit, uh, I really don't want to talk about my pee, but I just thought it was funny. So I actually just peed yellow for the first time since I've been on this diet because I've been pounding so much water. Yeah. I like, I've been, you know, besides the normal blood and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just, it was, it's always different podcast entirely. <laughs> it's just clear because essentially what I've realized is that, Part of my problem is that I want to eat until I'm grossly full. Yes. And so I can fake that. Because if I eat something, especially like a normal size meal, I don't get full. Okay. Uh, at least for 20 minutes. It takes some time for my body to say, oh, okay, that's actually enough. Yeah, 20 minutes is about the right. time it takes for your brain to realize you're full. Right. Because there's two receptors. There's the stretch receptor, which is what I normally wait for. <laughs> and then there's the satiation, like, oh, you've got enough nutrition in you. So that's cool. So I wait for this, that stretch receptor. So what I've been doing is drinking a lot of water with the meal. And then mm-hmm. right as soon as I'm done, I pound a big water and just kind of walk away. And that's what's been helping out a lot uh, in that side. Um, Quick question sure. about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there any concern about like flushing out too much salt from your system? Because obviously- Or like drowning because I don't know how to drink and walk at the same time. <laughs> that's what I'm more worried about. I've got swimmies on. You know? Um, yeah, well, you know, I'm sure if your teeth are floating, you <laughs> catch that, but yeah, mm-hmm. just like, um, I, I, am so trying to think such a thing as like a water toxicity situation, like kids, kids, um, uh, on the spectrum, uh, mm-hmm. this has been known to happen. Like they'll get in the bathtub and they'll drink all the water. Oh, okay. Um, Ooh, and yeah. And so like, I, I forgot what the number is, but it's this vast number of like liters per hour or something like that, yeah. that can cause basically what you're talking about, like a dilution of your electrolytes. And then that causes your uh, heart to stop and your brain to get, you know, swollen and such. So, um, so yeah, that is a real problem, but not, not from my perspective. I mean, okay. well, I, I, yeah. I mean, that, that does sound like the extreme version of what I was talking about, but mm-hmm. just, you know, just like being too low on electrolytes in general, not necessarily going as far as toxicity. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, I, I for what I'm drinking, again, I'm drinking probably 60% more than what I should be doing to be hydrated. So. Okay. I definitely didn't get that bit of information from house. If that's what you're wondering. <laughs> as long as it's not from Dr. McCall, I'm cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't watch TV. Actually in uh, pathophysiology, mm-hmm. when we were learning about all of this stuff, we used to watch uh, ER or is that the show? Is that, yeah, it was ER, right? The one Probably that, in the nineties. In the nineties. Uh, yeah. 98, 2000. So we watched ER and it was very accurate. So then like, we were like, oh yeah, we know that stuff. We're like, oh, okay. That's how it kind of fits together. That's how we would kind of study for pathophysiology. Just oh, so that's funny. Knows. Yeah. So, but I was on a, I was listening to a lot of productivity podcasts just the other day, just to kind of get my game back in gear around like my work productivity. And I realized that the wellness problem is a productivity problem because it's essentially the same thing. We need to create a strategy and we have to be disciplined. We have to use our system or strategy, whatever. And then getting lax can make the work and psychological burden get really great really quickly. So if I slack off my to-do list or don't record things in the, in the right manner or handle my email, it just ends up being a freaking thousand emails or a thousand things that I have to do. And then it takes hours for me to get back into it. So again, if I eat like garbage for a long period of time, it's going to take me months to get back to where I am. So it just makes sense to just stay to the script. Um, you know, the other thing about it is like, if you derail engaging with the system then causes like, uh, 
you know, avoidance behaviors. Like I don't even want to look at the system because <laughs> I know I've got all, all sorts of work to do. So it's like, I don't even want to look at a salad because I know like I'm just off the rails anyway. So uh, that actually just happened to me. I was mm -hmm. derailed for about two weeks and it took me so long to lose just 12 pounds and I put eight of them back on. Oh boy. I have six, since taken four of them back off. I'm sure that was just water. Mm -hmm. But yeah, when I thought I would just have a little treat, like I had some ice cream, it mm -hmm. was like so hot out. Mm -hmm. And that triggered all of my need for, you know, more Sugar. ice cream, mm -hmm. cookies, all that pizza. And um, I, it, it took two weeks to finally become disgusted with myself and mad that I had undone months of work. Yeah. And so Don't that's. That. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been kind of like documenting like how I feel when I'm chunky and um, even taking the, doing the like transition picture so I can see myself at the different stages. So I can be like, Hey, you're going to be looking like that if you're at that weight or whatever. Mm. Cause that's really the thing. It's like more of a body dysmorphia for me, really. Like I just think that I'm bigger than I am because uh, you know, I'm, I'm nervous about this stuff just because of like the genetic component for me. Yeah. So. Well, you know, it was the last time I was like, oh, these pants that I always wear are finally hanging off me. Mm -hmm. And then the next time I went to put them on, they were, they fit like normal again. And I was like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Right. I cannot believe I just went from being so proud of myself to completely screwing up. And you know, you can't, you, I think you have to be stern with yourself. Don't get too mad at yourself, but that's pretty much what it took for me to be like, all right, cut the crap and just get back to the discipline. You know, you can do it. You Nutrition know? counseling. And the reason I keep saying these stories so people can hear what I'm going through. So that way they can apply it in their own life. This is the, this is the big thing. I can get people supplements in line in a day and people can feel better in a couple of weeks to get people on a better nutritional path, it takes a ton of work and most of the work is in your head. Mm. I've realized that I'm wired to be an overweight dude and I just have to rewire it. And like you're saying, so you get this idea, like I'm going to give myself a treat. I deserve it. Once I hit this goal, I'll be happy. Once I do this, then I can have more food. And all of that is kind of silly. Like we're doing a lot of work. So I have, again, I, I eat like a 300 pound guy. So what I have to do is I have to say, I have to figure out how I can eat like a 200 pound guy, like I'm supposed to, because that's the healthy weight for me. And so then it's literally moment by moment, just trying to fight all of that mm -hmm. all along. So, all right. So let's talk about Dr. Mercola. Yes. So, uh, here's why we're talking about Dr. Mercola. If you don't know who Dr. Mercola is, that's actually great. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. But Dr. Mercola is one of these wellness influencers. He is technically a doctor. Um, but I believe that he's doing the opposite of what a medical professional should be doing. Mm -hmm. My wife's like, yeah, first do no harm. And I'm like, yeah, except you're going to get that sweet paper, you know, like yeah. then, then you can do whatever. So, um, so he is in, my radar. Well, first off, I like to kind of tease and make fun of him a bunch just because he makes crazy eyes when he's on his, his, uh, <laughs> his first, we have to follow all these people on our, um, on our Instagram just to kind of see what everybody's doing and see like what, sure. what people are talking about. And like, I, so I see him every time I check in Instagram to check our messages and it's like crazy eyes. So, um, so I've been making fun of him for that. And like, he always says kind of like what I would consider scientifically ambiguous stuff a little bit on the more like, uh, wacky end of the spectrum, pseudoscience end of the spectrum. Um, but recently, um, there was a group, uh, called the center for science and public interest, along with two other nonprofits that are asking the FDA and the FTC to bring enforcement against him because of his promotion of false claims, unstudied products, and general poor advice about treating or curing COVID-19. Uh, in fact, the, the, the policy director for the center for science and public interest is 
going to Congress, I think, today or the day before to talk to them and say specifically about all the different people that are misinforming consumers, especially during this horrible, horrible time, mm. right? So in our rant, we kind of talk about that and we lay out all the different things that he's been claiming. And it's really interesting because as I listed out these things, which is like use vitamin C, use selenium, right? So those kinds of things we've heard, we've talked about mm -hmm. before. Um, He's definitely done some things offensive, and the list will go through it. But I realized that a lot of people that are engaged in wellness might find some truthful things in this, right? And it's like they might seem like, oh, Neil's just splitting hairs, or, you know, well, it's established knowledge that vitamin C helps your immune system. And that's all he's saying, right? And so that idea of taking certain supplements to boost your immunity, we've talked about it here at length. Um, you know, the, this idea that you take these supplements and you'll be able to survive COVID better or not even get it in the first place, completely false. Mm. Um, and, you know, so everything that we have points to this idea, whether you are in the camp that, hey, you know, I heard these things are good or what, all signs point to like, no, like we, it's not going to happen. We don't even know the role of these things in the body during this. And we even know that lots of healthy people, both young and old, have died from COVID. Um, the only thing that I could probably give him is his push towards vitamin D. Vitamin D, we know, has a role in protecting us, it seems. If we have optimal levels, we won't be as sick as those that don't have optimal levels. So if your vitamin D is low, you're not healthy to the, the minimum. So mm -hmm. therefore, you are more likely to have respiratory infections. And that same um, kind of relationship or correlation travels over into the COVID world. We've had enough data now to say, you know, this is this is what's what. So, you know, that's all fine, right? Mm -hmm. So people would say, oh, well, it's not that big of a deal. Well, here's my big, 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 wacky, horrible, disgusting thing that he has recommended recently, both in writing and on his podcast. And this is the reason that I've decided to take all my venom out on him this week. He advised people to intentionally contract COVID-19, saying that if you use his supplement recommendations, the exposure will result in stronger protection than the vaccine could. Yes, I saw that, and I thought that's what you were going with. Yeah. That is bananas. His quote, so scary as it may sound, the best thing is to get the infection and have a strong immune system to defend against it so you won't even display any symptoms. So that period, end of sentence, throw this guy into jail if we have to, or at least take away his ability to speak to a group. Uh, yeah. Because that is the worst thing that you could possibly recommend to anyone during a pandemic. If you subscribe to, listen to him, if you needed a red line that wasn't supplied to you before, which I, I would argue that, <laughs> that I'm sorry, <laughs> I can help you through that. But this is that red line. Do not, do not listen to support or agree with this man. This is horrible. I actually started calling him doctor, quote unquote, in mm. the article, because I don't believe that someone with a medical background can make these ridiculous claims. If he said today, well, you know what? I just stand up there and talk and I have non-medical people writing this stuff. That would be great. But what does he have on his website, Dana, that you shared with me? The, the fact checking thing. That it, oh God, which part of it? <laughs> that he, he goes through the same fact check as like Reuters and AP. That's what he says. Yes. And that he's got I this believe whole... it's peer reviewed. Right. 
It's, yeah. He's got this whole disclaimer that says that he goes through all these different ways to make sure that the information is accurate and and uh, and like legal, basically. The thing is, is that that is incorrect. We all live in wellness land, and there is a very basic, uh, like underlying, low hanging fruit law that mm-hmm. says you cannot, and it's on every freaking website ever that talks about supplements. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So there is a very clearly written and very often enforced rule in supplements that says if you make a claim about a supplement, you're breaking the law. That is the easiest one to not do, and it's the one that they always go after. You can't use the words treat, cure, or prevent anything. Like You can't Mm. say that. I can say that in this study or in the literature, it has shown that omega-3 can be beneficial to the cardiovascular system. There is a study that shows that omega-3, EPA and DHA at 3,000 milligrams can lower triglycerides. But I can't say that you take omega-3 for your cholesterol. Like You can't say that. Mm -hmm. It's illegal. And and all day, every day, on his website, on his social media, he's talking about treat and cure. And and that is like, that's why I'm calling BS on his like, oh, fact checking claim. And so, yeah, he, he might be using the right grammar. And he's, if he's talking about a study, the study is legitimate, but that's another problem is like, he's basically creating this false sense of quality yeah. around his, his words. You know, what else is still on his website? What's that? An article from April saying that zinc and uh, hydroxychloroquine are useful. That should yeah. have been taken down. Yeah. So he um, he is an advocate for uh, a number of different supplements. So let me go through some of these claims that the CSPI made in their briefing. I included in my article because I thought it was a good summary of what he's done around COVID. So he claims that quote even a small amount of vitamin C will reduce the risk of dying. Uh, mm. Quote even in the most severe cases. Vitamin D, we already talked about. So he's got a test kit that'll help you figure out your FDA, uh, your vitamin D level. It's not FDA approved, so there's that. It, he also states that, quote unquote, melatonin has been proven to decrease the risk of COVID-19 infection. Again, you can't say that uh, on TV. And we have a whole thing against melatonin. You can check out our article on that. He says that zinc is a vastly underrated player in the COVID-19 pandemic, which isn't true. We know that it really has no role in this. Uh, We have no data to prove that it does. So with most of this stuff, it's like put up or shut up is really what I like to say. Um, He sells air purifiers that quote unquote create ozone and are used to quote treat (laughs) COVID-19. Get out of here, man. (laughs) Yeah, I swear to God. Uh, he makes a ton of claims about 5G wireless signals and connects them to COVID-19. And then he's got a ton of supplements that he says, treat, cure, prevent uh, COVID-19. Selenium, licorice, astaxanthin, NAC, prebiotics, probiotics, and these gross spore biotics. I freaking hate spore-forming probiotics. So I'm just like biased <laughs> against them. Um, so, And we've said a million times, no supplements will help out with covid at all. Like don't consider it. In fact, because we don't know much about this, if you were taking something, uh, it could potentially make COVID worse. Like that's literally yeah. what's happening. We don't know what, what is and isn't bad with this whole thing. This is a different animal than anything we've dealt with before. So again, like he's not just one of those guys. Cause that list sounds like, Oh, well, whatever. He's just, he's just being a little eccentric. And like, that's not <laughs> really what's going on. He is uh, making, he, he did the worst thing. And then he's violating the basic rule that you can't say that, uh, 
supplement will treat or cure or prevent anything. I don't know why he's gone untouched. It gets me so freaking upset. I don't know. Does he have a YouTube channel? Because I, I don't know. have to check. Yeah, my YouTube channel got shut down because we mentioned COVID on three different videos. And we were talking about coping with COVID and such. And so I don't even have a YouTube channel because of that. And this guy's out there spouting all this this insanity you know yeah, yeah. It, so it just it, it pisses me off like i just don't understand why why can this guy who's got so much uh um i guess attention mm-hmm. and he's obviously one of the big fish how come the fda isn't addressing every single one of those infractions when he talks about treat prevent or cure the disease all right so what i want to do though is i want to go through some of the most recent claims that he's been making and just kind of debunk them because you know, if you say something, you should be able to accept the fact that you're not scientifically valid in what you're saying. So, right. and as a wellness influencer, I'm up for that. Please check and recheck my crap and then call me out on it. I am the person that calls out hypocrisy. So if I'm doing it, I want to know, and I own my BS. So if I said something incorrect, in fact, I have a whole legion of people that when I write my articles, they write <laughs> back and they're like, you, you, besides my grammar, uh, they also pick out anything that I'm being hypocritical about. And then I normally, I fix the article and that's that. And, uh, yeah. And I'm just the producer. Anything I say is anecdotal <laughs> just cause I'm a know-it-all. So yeah, yeah like we already, we, we, we don't, they don't pay attention. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Why am I even here? (laughs) (laughs) All right. One of them is in his article, 10 Frightening Fluoride Facts. For them, it's Fluoride Awareness Week. So their whole Instagram is blown up with fluoride awareness graphics. And uh, yeah, so I I don't know. We talked about fluoride on the podcast. We had Dr. Patch on and we've written articles about fluoride. And here's how it is. So it's one of the only compounds that will actually strengthen your teeth. It's natural. Yes. (laughs) Fluoride is a natural compound. And um, really what happens here, and this is where I think the fluoride thing gets goofy, is that the debate gets jumbled. And guys like this is the reason that it gets jumbled. There are two separate debates here. Should I use fluoride personally to help with my teeth, which is a resounding yes. And second, should the government put fluoride in the water to prevent cavities? Okay. (laughs) So that's really what's going on. And so like what ends up happening is that because people feel like this Liberty thing and all of this other, like whatever, they conflate the two articles, uh, the two arguments into one thing. So they're two separate things. So yes, you personally should be using fluoride. If you can use vitamin D, which at a high dose could hurt you very badly, you can use fluoride, which at a high dose can hurt you very badly. I just wouldn't recommend not eating the entire tube of toothpaste on a daily basis. Right. You'll do a lot better with fluoride if it's just applied to your teeth and then you spit almost all of it out. Okay. Um, now, if you want to talk about like this whole, like, should the government be doing this? Fine. Do that, have that discussion, but let's focus on that conversation. My personal opinion. Yeah, sure. No, no problem. There's plenty of evidence that if you get too much fluoride, that can be dangerous. So places in the world where there's too much fluoride in the water is a problem. Right. And but that's not a threat if you're here and your water's fluoridated, right? You're not going to get excess fluoride. Um, there's plenty of evidence that the levels that are maintained by most governments and municipalities, almost all governments and municipalities, are more than safe. We have, think about how many patient lives we have. If How much water do I drink on a daily basis? All of us are doing that, right? And so we have just at least our country, most of it, and Every day since how long have they been doing it? Since the 50s? We would know if there was some sort of a problem. Our, our stuff is coming from all the poisons that the corporations are putting out in the world. That's a whole nother conversation. So yeah. the fluoride, though, I 
there's no evidence to show that it's it's a part of it. Well, um, and also as a reminder, fluoride occurs naturally in water, and that's where the research into fluoride strengthening teeth came from in the first place because yeah. areas with higher concentrations of fluoride, people were experiencing less tooth decay. Right. And and so just like let's flip that around. There's plenty of evidence in areas where there isn't fluoridation of the water that people's teeth are messed up, right? Yeah. The entirety of London. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just a silly British joke. And um, there go our three listeners in England. <laughs> so to not make fun of our British friends, Woodstock. <laughs> they don't do this in Woodstock. And let me tell you, my dentist friends are driving Maserati. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but they, but like they're pretty happy with the idea that most people aren't treating their teeth with fluoride. Yeah. Um, it's not that they're happy. And, and in all honesty, they say it's a major problem and it's totally preventable. And the real conspiracy here would be that they would tell you not to do it. Like they would, they would say, oh, you, you shouldn't do it because then the dentist can make all this money. Right. So <laughs> the, it's a, it's a reverse conspiracy. So, um, but yeah, I think that, uh, the fluoride thing. And again, so, so this is what he builds his argument on. He said, fluoride is this frightening, horrible, toxic thing. And people that even has, have the like little thought nugget that fluoride could be this one of these chemicals that one of these corporations and governments that we can't trust anymore are putting into our water, they're going to bite and eat this up, right? They're going to get that link. They're going to see it. They're going to see the headline and they're going to, they're going to opt in and they're going to all of a sudden become like a little Mercola, you know, warrior, you know, we don't want that. So, so the, the fluoride facts. So that's one, there's a lot of COVID stuff that he talks about. We've debunked all this, so it's going to be kind of quick, but the media says it's back to human but they deny that it's being leaked from a lab. So he is one of those guys that believes full on that this is a cover-up for a accident from a lab. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so I'm just trying to like wrap my head around how stupid this sounds. So I have admitted, and I'd be shocked if this was true, but I admit that sure, could it have happened? Could they have been researching this strain and it slipped out into the world? Sure. That is a possibility. We don't know. And I don't think we'll ever know because of what it is. But to build your house on that foundation, that's pretty weird, man. Like, it's weird. Why does that have to be true? And if it's true, how does it change anything? And the truth is, is that the strain that was found in China mutated a bunch, went to Europe, and that's what we got. So it just seems like an anti-Chinese kind of sentiment yeah. to say that it leaked from a lab there which is weird because then he promotes traditional Chinese medicine on his podcast a lot, right? Yeah, that's true. You know, he's like he's like all in for traditional Chinese medicines, but they're a corrupt government and all this horrible stuff. And it's it's so that's it's like, uh, what are you doing? Um he often says that masks don't likely stop the spread of COVID. That's literally a title of one of his articles or posts, okay? Um that's a horrible sen sentiment for people. Again, the who's going to be reading this stuff and believing it is the people that are more susceptible to dying from COVID without a doubt, because they're going to be performing more risky behaviors. And I would guarantee that they're not the healthiest people because yeah. if they're believing his health advice, I don't think that they could be very healthy to begin with. They're probably taking a lot of supplements, but I don't think that they li they're living a truly healthy life. You know, one example that I found that actually did, or I, you know, I'm flattering myself to think that it shut down a few people on Facebook that I was arguing with is uh, just think about people who are smoking or vaping. Think about those plumes that we can see. Yeah. Your breath does the same thing. You just yeah. can't see it. Right. So mm -hmm. I think that's the perfect way to like illustrate it to people who are not getting it. Look, if somebody has a problem with masks, 
just jump out of a plane. Find the highest <laughs> building that you you can find in your area and just leap off. Because or like just walk into the ocean and just say goodbye. Because like what in God's name? And I'm invoking the Lord here. Like why why is this such a hard concept? And and I think actually it was really good. Governor Cuomo went down to Georgia to meet with I think the Atlanta mayor. I forgot if that's what happened, but he went to meet with a mayor I believe and like help them through this whole thing. And he basically said the problem with this, and he's holding up a mask, he he says is that this says that coronavirus is real. And, you know, if we wear the mask, that means that we're we're, um, vulnerable, you know, Uh, but it also means that we're attacking this together. And just like your immune system, it doesn't work if it's not all together. So we want to be cohesive and unified in our fight against this. And I thought it was very, very uh, aptly put. And again, if you're still in that anti-mask for whatever reason, which is a much larger number, a hundred years after the last anti-mask group came mm. through, um, it's there's. I don't believe that there's a hope of convincing people otherwise. So it's really at this point fruitless to to say that we have an anti-mask group now on the freaking uh, green every Sunday. Oh my it's god! So are you kidding? see? This is why I can't walk here. <laughs> like I, I've been walking to like you know. There's a the um the health food store which is next to my house and then i live in a rather secluded neighborhood that's the only place i will walk i you know i'm going back to my other retail gig which is in town and mm-hmm. i'm afraid to walk there because i don't want to encounter that many people not wearing masks because right. i see them and yeah, they frustrate me yeah it's been a couple people and with those people just kind of like move by them but like this whole anti-mask thing and they're like they're sitting there protest that gets me all mad so he also has been scaring his readers about the covid vaccine so a lot of posts recently have been saying that it's going to be mandatory and then he gives them suggestions for protecting them and their family against their violation of civil liberties Right. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I posted something that it was like a little op-ed piece that somebody wrote, like a letter to the editor kind of a thing. And and it was like about the responsibility of rights. So there's a price to the rights and freedoms that we have, which is like citizenship <laughs> in our city, state and country. Right. We have a responsibility in exchange for that. And it's just so weird that people um feel this way about their civil liberties because it really has nothing to do with your liberties. And yeah, sure. Again, it's, it is an infraction on your liberty, just like having to wear pants is. Um, but you know, that's a kindergarten argument, uh, to defend a PhD thesis. So stop. And nobody's forcing anybody to get any vaccines. Although I believe that they should, I believe that vaccines should be 100% mandatory. And the only people that don't get them are the ones that are um, allergic, truly allergic. I'm in the same boat. I Mm -hmm. think a lot of this has come around. I mean, obviously I'm only here for one generation, Mm -hmm. but I think at this point we are so many generations removed from all of the diseases that were cured by vaccines and eradicated by vaccines that we don't understand that they're still there lurking, waiting for us to stop using vaccines. Exactly. They're just like we saw the measles thing, right? Yes, exactly. Um, He also then promotes a number of nutraceuticals to reduce clots with COVID. And that I just want to slam my head through a wall. He's a doctor. He knows more than I do about the complex mechanism involved in blood clotting in the body. And if you don't know how complex that mechanism is, I would say Google right now mechanism for clotting in the human body and then click on images. And if you don't see a wall of text with a bunch of arrows and like words that like thrombe, like all these crazy yeah. words, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce them anymore. Um, it is a very, very complex thing, which is actually very amazing when you think about life in general, like, wow, how the heck did we get to that? Like sophisticated, complicated system. So in 
test tubes, supplements may have activity against one or more of these components, but they can't reliably be used to manipulate our blood flow in any way, Mm -hmm. period. And if they could, they would be horribly dangerous. Think about the drugs that manipulate blood flow. So there's clotting agents and then there's declotting agents. What happens if you get a little bit too much of warfarin, for example? Oh, you have a bleed out stroke from the, the eyes, you know? It's, Jeez. It's like literally everybody, <laughs> no, it just, uh, it, it can get very bad and you can, you can bleed and, and it becomes a very big health risk. Now, and warfarin requires weekly monitoring at the beginning, oh. right? And so, and now there's like antiplatelet drugs that you don't need the monitoring, but there's still inherent risks to these things where you can bleed in excess. And, and so the idea that some silly supplement is going to be able to have such a sophisticated, uh, approach or uh, effect in the body with minimal monitoring is it's insulting. Uh, it's insulting to anybody that has paid attention in any of these classes, or again, can Google and see that, that big picture. Mm. Um, let's see what, what else did he say? (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, my biggest thing for him is like, he's hiding a sales pitch inside of good information. Mm. So if you look at what are my 10 tips for being well with COVID, it's like have a healthy immune system, buy vitamin C. And then, and then it's like, <laughs> uh, wash your hands. And and then like he hides it in there. It, like my gut health analogy, there's all these different uh, practitioner out there that, practitioners out there that offer gut health protocols. And essentially it's the good advice around gut health with a flourish. That's all it is. It's like saying, okay, so I want you to use this supplement and this shake, and then you're going to do these things, and then you're going to also stop eating foods that bother you. You're going to drink lots of fluids and have more fiber, right? So those last three are the ones that matter, yeah. and those other <laughs> ones were just the flourish, right? right? And so that's what happens in the supplement industry is like they take good information and they just add crap around it. And so it's really about getting to the core of the matter and and and, and doing the the things that will help. So you know the the cheesy example is all of the diet pills with weight loss with, with dieting and exercise, this weight loss pill will allow you to lose eight pounds in four weeks. Mm. Well, yes, get rid of the the pills and it'll have the same effect with dieting and and exercise. (laughs) So, you know, so that's kind of like the big thing that I keep seeing in a lot of his content. Um, he's talking about the interferons. So that's new information. So he talks about what an interferon is. And again, he's hiding that good information. So this is true. This is all good. Then he tries to draw a parallel and say that traditional Chinese medicine has that same kind of activity. And if you know anything about interferons and immune modulating drugs is that they're insanely complicated and insanely expensive. And there's a reason for that because the technology that's required to replicate them and actually have them work reliably without killing you is very complicated. But he's suggesting that licorice has a compound (laughs) in it uh, that will have these same effects in the body. Now, only if only the practitioners and the hospitals globally we're able to think about uh, licorice, mint, and honeysuckle, we might have not (laughs) lost so many lives, right? I mean, and even if that were true, I'm not saying that any of this is wrong, this thought process, aren't there alternative options or the things we're not thinking of? Put up or shut up. Do a trial, register it, right? And then give us the real results, but nobody's going to do that. They, it's just easier for them to talk smack. And that's why the rant this week is words matter. You can, it's all hollow promises and make-believe. And nobody's putting the, the pen to the paper, money where their mouth is to prove that these things actually work because most of them know that the studies will come back as they've come back that they don't work. Yeah. Also, who in a developed nation is eating licorice these days? Anyway, we have much better candy. <laughs> I had a professor that said licorice and it makes oh. me want to cringe. <laughs> Every time, <laughs> licorice, and he would say it like that. Yeah, we also like, had a guy that said sweet orange peel tincture. 
<laughs> that reminds me of Adam Carolla. He says greasy instead of greasy, oh. but he also loves to just like hammer on about people who are just being like purposely stubborn. Yeah. And despite what everybody else around them is doing, they still stick to their guns. And meanwhile, I'm like, well, then say greasy for the love of God. <laughs> Well, he's death on Family Guy, so he gets a pass. So, he's okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the last one that he talked about, again, using the words reverse disease, treat infections. So magnesium and vitamin C help reverse disease and treat viral infections. He had a guest on his podcast, and that's what they talked about, right? So two things. So again, you can't say treat, prevent, cure. Ah. Mm. These things could support these processes. Um, and you can talk about the study, as we said, but no. I kind of also think that it's a little dog whistly, right? It's a little, a little bit of uh, uh, on the COVID tip, though. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. saying like treat viral infections in the middle of a pandemic. So mm-hmm. it's like one way for him to indirectly say buy my magnesium, buy my vitamin C, because this expert says it helps with viral infections. And I didn't. I'm not going to listen to the drill, but I'm sure they mentioned COVID a bunch of times on the podcast, right? And so it's like they're just saying buy my crap to treat this infection because there's a lot of people that are afraid. And as we've said, it's all about control right now. We want a sense of control and. And like this sense of security and by buying all of this stuff, you get that you feel like you're doing the best that you possibly can. When the truth of the matter is unfortunately ugly, it's not, it's not going to do anything. You know, it's potentially could make it worse. And this whole vitamin C worship thing, because he talks about vitamin C as if it were a God. And I think that I, vitamin C is fine. I don't have a thing against vitamin C. I'm not like a bigot against vitamins, you know, but (laughs) like vitamin C is uh, worshipped in this country. I blame Linus Pauling for all of his influence. Uh, He was a very smart guy and he got in this, uh, you know, like vitamin C craziness. Um, We have to remember that we only need about 70 milligrams to meet our our requirements for our body. And even if you want to go a little bit higher and go to 200 or, or have a couple servings of vitamin C a day, you're talking about 400 milligrams of vitamin C. Our body gets rid of it real quickly if there's too much of it. And we'd have to be without it for a long time. I think it was something like 10 weeks or something like that. You would have to be without it in order for us to actually um, get deficient in it. It might even be mm. 10 months if uh, now that I think about it, but it, there's a long time before you uh, become deficient because of how your body like holds it and uses it. Um, People call it a natural remedy, right? I want vitamin C to work because it's natural and it's better than these drugs. Vitamin C supplements is the most unnatural thing that you can buy in a supplement (laughs) store. Vitamin C comes from corn, which is mostly genetically modified stuff, right? And China is the major supplier. You're then getting this gross tablet or capsule with just inert everything in there of ascorbic acid. And it's seven times the RDA. So we only need 70 milligrams. You're taking 500 milligrams. That's seven times what your body needs and two to four times what would be found in food. So what about vitamin C makes it natural? Now, again, if vitamin C has such an important role, I I think it's just such an easy sell. I can get somebody to buy a $10 bottle of vitamin C without even blinking because of the cultural like belief that vitamin C will help out. And Instead of saying, like, just eat a half of a pepper or an apple or just increase the amount of vitamin C, which is going to be way healthier for you anyway. And so I believe that vitamin C is like the biggest fraud in supplements. I just, I, I'm not an advocate for it. And I just think that you should just be eating vitamin C rich foods. There's super rare situations. Like, you just have a wound and you need to get it healed. It seems that by using vitamin C in a very disciplined manner around that, that helps out with healing, hmm. right? But 
for all this other stuff, especially immune health, it's, it's really not that great. And, um, I believe that it's just one of those situations that if you were in deficiency, yeah, you'd probably be sicker, but most of us can't even get near deficiency and it's better to just eat the food anyway. So, um, so that's, a bunch of Mercola's claims. Like this is just a glimpse. I lit- literally just Dana and Kate, our social media gal. She just scrolled through a couple times and like reported on what was here. There, there was so much. I was like, I don't even know how I'm supposed to narrow this down for today. Yeah. So, I mean, what I would recommend that we do is hold these people accountable. What can you do in this situation? Well, you can write to your congressperson and and quote. It's right on my article and and say like this guy said this about coronavirus. Are you going to hold him responsible, you know, yeah. especially your senators? Because I would want to be held responsible if I was saying such silliness. But that's all I got. I mean, anything else for today that we can cover? I feel like uh, my blood pressure is elevated. <laughs> I think that is everything. Yeah, I think I didn't I didn't miss anything. Right. Yeah, that's great. All right. So until next time, keep listening, keep learning and be well. 